leading Sir Barton by 15 lengths and under a strong hold. We're off to the races, powered by The Racing Biz, your independent voice for racing and breeding in the Mid-Atlantic. On the web at theracingbiz.com. On the radio, on ESPN Richmond, it's off to the races. Here's Nick Hahn. Go ahead and just requeue the opening then. Did did any of it get out? Now it disappeared. Russell will join us here in about 20 minutes. He's picked up a Preakness mount on Excision. Brett Calhoun, the trainer of Mr. Big News, third place finisher in the Derby at 46 to 1, is uh, also going to join our show in about a half hour. We got Frank Vespi, Daryl Wood right around the corner here on Off to the Races. Derby Bill will handicap a major race out in California. We got the two big giants squaring off against each other out in California. That is improbable. 
with um, maximum security. Three to five in the morning line. Bob Baffert sends both of those horses out in the awesome, again, a grade one uh, late out at Cal- in California, out at Santa Anita. Midcourt and Sleepy Eyes Todd, the winner of the Charlestown Classic at a uh, nearly favorite status, will also be in that race. Right now, want to shoot, uh, reach out to Daryl Wood here on Off to the Races. Daryl, good morning. Good morning, Nick. Hey, uh, yeah, a little bit of a, a trouble trip, uh, <laughs> breaking out of the gate, trying to catch up here a little bit. But I uh, wanted to <laughs> follow up with you here on the racing action at Shenandoah Downs up there in Woodstock. Uh, watching, just kind of going through the res- the results, watching the uh, the charts here. Uh, a little bit of a big day, especially for uh, Dr. Scott Wugan, a previous guest on the show, who had a, one of Woods' winners uh, yesterday. Uh, how was the racing yesterday? Actually, it was, uh, it was great. There was uh, supposed to get some rain here, but I think everything stayed south of Woodstock, so we actually had just a gorgeous uh, early fall day for racing. We got 15 races today uh, featuring uh, Virginia-bred uh, two-year-olds uh, that are going to go here at uh, starting at 1 o'clock, so you can watch the streaming at ShenandoahDowns.com. But probably the best storyline from yesterday is that Colonial Downs fans, uh, harness fans, may remember a horse named A Fool for Mark. Back in 2011, he was named Horse of the Meat. Well, as a 14-year-old yesterday, he made his 441st career start at Shenandoah Downs and won it in wire-to-wire fashion. It was his 81st win. Uh, Dustin Ingraham, who had the horse back at Colonial in 11, uh, was uh, here uh, with the horse, and he owns and trains. So kind of a neat deal for a horse to make his 441st start and went for the 81st time. So that kind of... That kind of took the highlight from yesterday's racing. Yeah, exciting to, to see. You can watch all that racing on ShenandoahDowns.com. You can pick up the replays or the live stream. Uh, how's the day look for today, Daryl? Uh, it looks great. Uh, weather looks good. And, and, again, we've got such a great turnout of the horsemen that are supporting this meet. Um, Bill Popfinger, Hall of Famer, is here for the first time. He won the Little Brown Jug in 1978 with Happy Escort. He's here based as a trainer for the first time. Uh, 91-year-old William Fletcher from Oak Hall, Virginia, got to the winner's circle with uh, uh, three-year-old uh, Trotter uh, last week in the Virginia Breeders uh, races. He was a trainer, not the driver, but he'll be going for a $40,000 purse in the final uh, next week. So great to see a 91-year-old from Virginia actively uh, participating and succeeding. So it's kind of a, I guess that's harness racing all over the country. There's these really neat storylines of older folks that are still plugging away and succeeding, young people breaking into the sport. So kind of a fun, kind of a fun fall here. Yeah, we look forward to chasing that this fall and certainly looking forward to having a chance to call those races. Uh, been practicing a little bit. Need to practice a little more before October 16th. We had a great caller yesterday. I was shocked. The guys, really? guys never called a race before. Stephen Rice was his name. But uh, he'd been to 130 different racetracks around the world, so we knew – he knew his game, as as do you. Uh, you got. Uh, <laughs> he was good. <laughs> okay, really good. good. I like yeah. a little bit of a challenge. Yeah, keeps me on my toes. Hey, thanks, Daryl, yeah. for joining us on Off to the Races this morning. Great to bat lead off for Sheldon Russell. I'll do that every day of the week. There you go, Super Sheldon, as we knew him at Colonial Downs. Um, coming up on on the show here in about twenty minutes. He's coming off an injury, actually, and. Um, just started racing again this week for the first time so um looking forward to talking to him 
um, he's picked up a mount on that Steve Ausmussen horse accession. We're still trying to figure out exactly what the, you know, the Preakness is next week. I know it's a little, God, it's in the fall and just a little bit um, awkward that you have the Preakness. I keep thinking of, of it almost like the Breeders' Cup or something like that. But it, it is being run in um, the first Saturday. No fans, but, man, the horses certainly have appear to be showing up. Right now, uh, and this is just a list that is pretty fluid, uh, Thousand Words, Authentic from Bob Baffert, Accession uh, with uh, Asmussen. Asmussen also has new, uh, Pneumatic in, in the race as well. Uh, Art Collector, Dr. Post is going to be in the race. Happy Saver, um, the winner of the Tessio. Um, Mystic Guide, where it's trying to trying to find out who the jockey is, but appears to be running. That's Michael Stidham, who was really a, a recent supporter of the Meet of Colonial Downs. Mr. Big News, we mentioned. Max Player was a nice addition um, there, and love your beast life. Um, I've even seen Country Grammar thrown in the mix. That would be 14 if it's all that. Swiss Skydiver, the Philly could still uh, run in the race. We're waiting until Monday to get that. So I want to bring in Frank Vespi. He will be everything Preakness next week. I'll miss my first Preakness in some time, uh, maybe my second one in some 22 years, but uh, COVID prevents. But uh, Frank Vespi will uh, have a presence there up at Pimlico. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Nick. Good to be with you. Uh, let's just start right there with the Preakness stakes. Uh, talked a little bit about this on the video cast. Uh, that we did midweek that you can find on the racingbiz.com but uh uh, maybe you heard me go through that list that may include as many as 13 perhaps 14 of country have we heard anything about country grammar is that still a horse uh in contention there i um i i understand the horse is under consideration but i i don't have anything definitive i mean I, i think you mentioned that uh New this week, we got uh, Max Plyer from Steve Asmussen, and also Accession is a new name uh, for, for Asmussen. That's the horse that Sheldon Russell's going to ride, apparently. And and uh, Accession was uh, second or third in the Rebel back in March at like 80 to 1, and hasn't raced since. So that is kind of an intriguing new name. I mean, you're going to get paid big time if that horse wins. I'll tell you that much. But uh, we're looking. At, I mean, I think we're looking at a pretty full field. It's. I think Tis the Law would have scared some people off. I don't think Authentic is scaring anyone off. And uh, in addition, you know, two horses, Jesus's team and Live Your Beast Life, are both have both been supplemented, meaning their owners had to pay twenty five thousand to get in the race at all. So. Uh, they obviously are coming, and they obviously feel pretty good about their chances. What about maybe some of the other races, part of the card? Uh, Pimlico started on Thursday. Uh, They'll be racing today, basically two three-day weekends, similar to what Colonial has been doing here racing uh, as part of their calendar. But uh, maybe, you know, Preakness Week doings, you know, the odd nature. With the response to the Preakness of... Maryland has to be kind of scratching their head a little bit about its place in the Triple Crown, as, as we talked to Andy Byer last week about. You know, what are your thoughts about, you know, just Preakness Week and, and its setting and maybe even some of the undercard races? Well, I think, I mean, a couple things for, for people to be aware of, I think, as we head to in the Preakness Week. One, 
is that this week is going to look a lot different from the traditional Preakness week. So typically what they've done is they've just had a kind of a, a regular card, nothing special on Thursday. Then Friday was Black Eyed Susan Day and Saturday was Preakness Day. They're not doing that this year. So this Thursday they're going to have three stakes. Uh, so that's going to kind of spice up that day. Friday, the, it will not have the Black Eyed Susan. That's going to run on Saturday on the Preakness undercard. Friday's going to be Claiming Crown Preview Day, which is uh, the Claiming Crown is basically the sort of stakes races that are limited to, um, that are run under starter allowance condition, so that uh, horses had to have run for specified claiming price within a certain amount of time. So they're going to have a whole bunch of starter races, and then the Pimlico Special is going to be the Friday feature. And then Saturday, Preakness Day, is going to be all stakes. I think it's a 12-race card, and every race is a stake, uh, including, the, the I think, the finale of the card is going to be an Arabian, a stake for Arabian horses. So so the whole card's going to, the whole week is going to look a lot different from what uh, a normal Preakness week has looked like. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see how these races play out, how they how they shape up and fill. Uh, because I, I we talked about this last week. I agree with Andy Byer. I think it would be really good for racing to space out the Triple Crown more. And people say, oh, but horses can win the Triple Crown, but and and they can obviously under the current conditions. We've seen two of them in four years, but it would be better for all the other races because trainers simply don't bring horses back in two weeks it's very unusual anymore to do that with a horse particularly a high quality horse so it'll be interesting interesting to see if the extra two weeks so the four weeks between the derby and the preakness gets you some better horses into some of these other races on the preakness on the preakness undercard earlier in the week and i think if they do it will help make the point that you know maybe spreading out the triple crown a little bit would be good for everybody yeah, we've often talked about how big uh, Memorial Day weekend could be in Baltimore, uh, with all the history and, and everything there. If, it, if, it would, if the Preakness was run on that three-day weekend, it would, it would really be something. The spe- uh, TheRacingBiz.com, what can we look for in terms of coverage coming up this, this Preakness week? Oh, all kinds of stuff this week. We're, we'll have, uh, as you'll be talking uh, later on, the Scott Mercer who uh, has this great story that, that you wrote on, on the racingbiz.com called The Case of the Man Who Wore Shoes. I think it, that's just a really fun read if you, uh, little, little triple crown and horse racing history and, and mystery, and it's just kind of a cool thing. Uh, we're going to have, you know, preakness profiles for every horse in the race. We're going to have a horse by horse analysis. We'll have expert picks this week. I'm working on a story right now about some of the local uh, women trainers that have had horses in the Preakness. That should be fun. Uh, so just a lot of different things going on over the next uh, several days. And and uh, so it's going to be a busy week, a lot to keep up with. And I'm, I'm fortunate that I'm going to get the chance to be at Pimlico. A lot of people are not this year, as you alluded to. So we'll try to keep our eyes open, our ears to the ground, and tell people what's going on at Pimlico during the week as well yeah media's role very much stepped up with uh with the lack of actual attendance there at old hilltop frank thanks for spending some time with us we look forward to the coverage this week and uh, the racingbiz.com is your home for the preakness uh check it all right sounds good uh, thanks nick have a great show
great. Uh, Frank Vespi on Off to the Races this morning. We're going to go to break on the other side. We'll talk to Sheldon Russell and Brett Calhoun, two participants in this year's Preakness Stakes. You're listening to Off to the Races. VirginiaHorseRacing.com Across Virginia, from the Tidewater to the Shenandoah Valley, from the summer thoroughbred season at Colonial Downs in New Kent to the fall harness meet at Shenandoah Downs in Woodstock, from steeplechase meets like the Virginia Gold Cup at Great Meadow or Foxfield or Middleburg, or Montpelier to point-to-point race action on VirginiaHorseRacing.com. Find them on Facebook. It's a great resource. In addition to live races, Virginia residents can wager horse racing online seven days a week via four Virginia Racing Commission-approved industry partner sites. TVG.com, ExpressBet.com, TwinSpires.com, and NYRABets.com. Find out more at VirginiaHorseRacing.com. Ashland's Eagle Point Farm, located in Richmond's rich traditional thoroughbred country, an area that produced the immortal Secretariat. Eagle Point Farm graduates excel at racetracks throughout the Mid-Atlantic, but race at Colonial Downs with a home field advantage. Now managed by Karen Denehigazi, Eagle Point Farm is in its third generation of breeding, breaking, raising, and racing thoroughbreds. You can see why their 44-stall barn stays near capacity. They're developing horses trained on a four-and-a-half furlong irrigated training track. Licensed trainers, experienced riders. In the return of racing at Colonial Downs in 2019, Eagle Point Farms captured the $100,000 Tyson Gilpin Stakes with What the Beep. It's What the Beep who comes up calling after the lead. English Harris tries to battle on toward the inside, but What the Beep has all the momentum, and What the Beep wins the Tyson Gilpin. 200 acres of paddocks, round pens, gallops, and care. Ask about the Virginia Certified Residency Program and have your thoroughbreds take flight at Eagle Point Farm in Ashland and online at eaglepointfarm.com. It doesn't matter if you walk, skip, bike, jog, skateboard, or pogo stick. When you head outside, take us along. If you've got your phone, you've got us. Listen to our live stream at ESPNRichmond.com. Do you have constipation with belly pain, straining, and bloating that keeps coming back? Take the five-question gut check to see if it could be more than occasional constipation. It could be irritable bowel syndrome with constipation, or IBSC. Linzess, or linaclotide, is a prescription medication that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess is not a laxative. It works differently. Linzess helps relieve belly pain and lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements. Individual results may vary. Do not give to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. Talk to your doctor about whether Linzess is right for you. Go to Linzess.com to take the five-question gut check. That's L-I-N-Z-E-S-S dot com or call 1-800-LINZESS. Have you been back to Burlington lately? Your store is now restocked, so hurry in for more unbelievable deals on amazing brands and styles at up to 60% off other retailers' prices every day. Stop back in to see the fabulous values you've come to love with more arriving all the time. Whether it's back to school, work, or just back, head back into your Burlington today and start getting more value for less again. Burlington, love the deals. 
ESPN Richmond is an Urban One radio station, minority controlled and operated, and serving the African American community for over 40 years. This is 99.5 and 1027 ESPN. Fats Domino. Great music by Fats Domino. I did not realize when I reached out to Sheldon Russell yesterday. First, I didn't realize he was in the Preakness. But second, I didn't realize he was born in uh, Louisiana, uh, even though he was spent most, most of his younger life in England, uh, was, uh, was bred in Louisiana. We'll maybe ask him a couple questions about that as he joins us now on Off to the Races. Sheldon, uh, calendars didn't allow for you to come on the show during the summer, just a couple of conflicts, but we did want to get you in. Only two weeks left in our season on Off to the Races uh, this week and uh, next week's Preakness. We're glad to hear. I know you were happy to hear that uh, you were going to be riding in your second Preakness uh, road concealed identity back in the day. Uh, and now you've picked up another mount. You must be excited. Good morning, Sheldon. Uh, tell us a little bit about your uh, your expectations and thoughts about riding in your second Preakness. Uh, good morning, Nick. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for next Saturday. Um, I caught wind that we were going to be picking up the mount on accession there for Steve Asmussen and his team. And, um, yeah, I just, I'm really happy. I'm really looking forward to it. And like most jockeys in those big races, just praying for a nice, clean trip and a little bit of luck. And hopefully uh, he can run a good, good race. Yeah, it's great that he reached out to a local jockey and, the timing, I mean, geez, what a uh, two weeks for you or so. Coming off an injury, you just started racing this week, and all of a sudden you, you've landed a, a Preakness mount. That's that's a pretty good week for you compared to what you've been going through here uh, recently after breaking your wrist at, at Delaware Park. Uh, tell us a little bit about the recovery and, and, you know, the Preakness being the light at the end of the tunnel here. Yeah, um, you know, just one of those things, unfortunately, um, what was it, 10 weeks ago, I was riding the horse at Delaware, and just one of those things where I just fell off um, the wrong way, landed on my hand. Um, it wasn't a severe break. Um, I took the, the much-needed time off that I needed to to, to heal it, and um, if anything, I took maybe a couple of weeks extra just to make sure it was good and I was ready to go. Um, but, yeah, definitely a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, knowing that uh, coming back I'd be riding the prick now, so I couldn't be more happier than what I am right now, and luckily enough, I've had to, to get some races under my belt, and uh, yeah, just really looking forward to it. Um, it just, you know, it's a crazy game, and I'm just happy that I'm all healed up and I, I'm back doing what I love. Yeah, it's actually your wife Brittany that uh, gave you a leg up on um, Mount, I guess Thursday. Um, you know, and got a chance to go over the track uh, there at Pimlico. The um, you were the leading rider, Colonial Downs, 2011-2012. Uh, Rahi Strada, the big win in the Colonial Turf Cup. I'll never forget that night. Uh, it just didn't happen. A lot of the imported jockeys won all the big races at Colonial Downs until that happened. Um, except for you know, maybe Fogelsonger had, had the one win um, in the Virginia Oaks there. But Rahi Strada, was that kind of... Um, 
it's it's hard to believe. I, 33 years old, it seems like you've been riding for like ever since I got involved in the sports, you know, like since you were 14 or something like that. Uh, you know, that, do you still kind of, you know, consider that maybe – Maybe not the apex, but an apex in your career. Uh, yeah, I mean those, those, those. That was a golden era in your riding career for sure. Yeah, for sure. And um, you know, it's my biggest win of my career. Looking back, um, especially with um, my agent that I still have now, Marty Leonard. So you know, Rocky Strada is a is a special horse to us. Um, we still every now and again bring up those memories. Um, and it was just you know, it was just a starting point. Um, I just remember that day we had a really good day. I think that night I had won four races, and to top it all off, it, he was like my last man of the day, and to, to win the Turf Cup on him was definitely the icing on the cake. But um, a great day, and a day that I'll never forget. Ham Smith put you on done talking in the uh, Kentucky Derby. Uh, I think finished 14th uh, in the Derby that year. Uh, I've got a great picture. I don't know if you've ever seen it of you and Ham there in front of the Twin Spires on the backstretch. Um, there, I need to maybe get that out in the post. Uh, but the um, you know riding in these big races, getting ready. What, what are you gonna? How are you gonna spend the week now? Getting prepared. Uh, a couple of races on the turf today. Uh, you know, but the Pimlico uh, will have a little bit of a lull. Uh, you know, what, have, have you talked to Asmussen a little bit about, you know, preparations and, you know, what, what you might do to, to pull off a, you know, local horse has always done very well in the Preakness, not necessarily winning it, but always getting in the money. You know, what are your thoughts about that? You know, I just take it as, as the days come about, but I'm sure I'll, I'll stop by and maybe early next week and uh, meet the team and, you know, hopefully speak with Steve and, um, you know, obviously he's busy. He's got three runners in the race. So I'll just, you know, whenever it, it fit, fits into his schedule, but um, I'll leave it up to them. Um, I'll just take it day by day. I won't really change anything in my schedule. You know, I'll just try and ride the races up until then as best as I could. And, you know, hopefully we can get some good results. Um, just looking forward to, to the week. I know with everything that's going on, it's a bit crazy and it's going to be a little bit different but um, it's still the Preakness at the end of the day and it's a day that us jockeys all like to be involved in riding it so just really looking forward to the big day and you know the big races that we have coming up Great, well Sheldon thanks for spending some time with us on Saturday morning and good luck next week in the Preakness on the Mount of Accession uh, thanks for spending some time with us this morning I appreciate it I appreciate it, Nick. Take care. Great. Sheldon Russell on uh, Off to the Races this morning. Could not complete a season of Off to the Races without having Sheldon uh, aboard at least for one show and, and glad that it worked out, especially this week. I mean, what a comeback uh, to, to come back from being injured uh, to, to getting a Preakness mount uh, and, and what really could be a, a very wide-open Preakness uh, we're going to be speaking with Brett Calhoun here in mere moments on off to the races. And uh, he has Mr. Big News, who uh, this is a horse that won the Oaklawn uh, Stakes. Uh, he's maybe benefiting a little bit from a little bit of a workout. Uh, Brett Calhoun, who we'll have on here shortly, he will be, this is kind of what he has done. It, it, not he has, he has, by my standards, who is, who's a big horse, he's, he's won a couple of Breeders' Cup uh, races 
uh, with uh, Dubai Majesty and, and, and Chamberlain Bridge. Uh, he also trains Mr. Money, um, who's, whose uh, horse that has been, we saw him run at Charlestown here recently. But here's something about Brett Calhoun that, that is really sneaky, sneaky good and under the radar. He has been in the top 40, and really, if you look at it, the top 25 in wins and earnings nationally since 2002. That is quite a run. 18 years where you're in the top 25. That's almost like Florida State-like in college football. And uh, uh, Brett Calhoun joins us now on Off to the Races. Good morning, Brett. Good morning. Hey, thanks for coming on Off to the Races this morning. And uh, Mr. Big News had was a bit of news in the Kentucky Derby. Went off at 46 to, over 46 to 1 and had a big closing run of a little bit more track. And who knows how it would have been with Authentic and Tis the Law in the Kentucky Derby. Uh, tell us a little bit about Mr. Big News and, and leading up to, the, to next week's Preakness. Well, obviously that was an exciting race for us. Um, it gave me a pretty good thrill between the three-eighths pole and the quarter pole. I thought we might win the whole thing. I thought the ones on the front end had, had gone pretty quick and might come back to us a little bit, but uh, they, they ran huge races and, and didn't back up. Uh, moving forward to the uh, Britness, um, everything was going very well for Mr. Big News. Uh, he came out of that race very well. He's had two uh, nice breezes in between. Uh, we didn't ask him for a lot. He's pretty fit and pretty ready. Uh, we think he's continues to move forward. Uh, everything seems to be going his way. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of, it's interesting a little bit is maybe the spacing, you know, during his career here, he seems to, to relish uh, a little bit of time off. A lot of horses are like that. Uh, you know, it's you, you got to maybe see that as a little bit of a, of an advantage. Even the separation between the Derby and the Preakness this year, with the added time, you might not have come back to the. You know, I'll, I'll leave it for you to decide. You know, whether you would have come back in two weeks or not after such a big finish in the Derby, whether whether Mister Big News was capable of that. But uh, you know, he, he seems to he he likes his works. He likes his rest. Is that the? Do I have that right? Is that kind of the horse he is? Well, you're, you're exactly right. Uh, had the Preakness been back in two weeks, we probably wouldn't have run. He's been a, a late-developing um, three-year-old. Uh, he seems to be getting better all the time. It's one of the reasons for the spacing. We've kind of let him develop at his own pace. Um, and uh, he's getting better all the time. And uh, you're exactly right. That's, that was kind of a plan to space his races. And I don't think we would have made the Preakness had it been back in two weeks. Uh, Gabriel Saez was the jockey in the Derby. I'm assuming he's back for the for the Preakness. Uh, what adjustments do you make? You know, seeing the field without Tis the Law in it, authentic um, for whatever reason it's Baffert, but uh, nobody's seen, you know seems to be too intimidated by him by showing you know with the response of so many players and supplementing into the Preakness to try and get a shot at this. What's your approach to the Preakness? Uh, you know, what adjustments do you make from the Derby? Well, first off, I'm a little intimidated by Authentic. I thought it was an impressive race in the Derby. <laughs> um, went fast and uh, carried his speed. So, yeah, it was pretty impressive. Um, as far as adjustments for us, we're not doing a lot different. Uh, we know our horse. We know what he's capable of, what he likes, and what he doesn't like. Um, Gabe's pretty aware of uh, the trip that he likes. Um, and, and we'll just try to 
stick to our game plan and whatever happens uh, uh, in front of us uh, happens. Hope, obviously, we're hoping for a lively pace in front of us uh, and come closing into it. But uh, we're, we're not going to change anything on our horse. We're going to let him run his race. Wanted to maybe talk a little bit about some of the other horses. Uh, I, I think this is an exceptional training job that has happened with By My Standards. I mean, this is a horse, I, th- I think he was 10th or 11th in the Derby last year and then didn't race. Uh, obviously, you know, had needed a break, maybe injury or something needed to heal or had some sort of issue there, but came back in 2020. And, I mean, he's he's picked up a first in the Oakland and recently in the Ali Sheba. He was second in the Foster in the Whitney uh, you know, tell us a little bit of, about the path of, of By My Standards and, and how impressive you, I mean, he must have even impressed you this year in, in the way that he's running. Well, he's an extremely nice horse, and I have to give uh, the owner, Chester Thomas, quite a bit of credit for being patient and letting us uh, campaign the horse how we thought was best. Um, he had a, a foot injury uh, that he was, he was dealing with around derby time. And so we just gave him plenty of time to let the foot grow out. Um, and he came back uh, really good as a four-year-old. We always thought he would be uh, as good or better as a four-year-old. I think he's proved that. Um, had a great run this year. Been a little unlucky in some spots. Um, you know, got caught behind a, some moderate fractions in a couple of races and, and couldn't run by some very quality horses. Uh, but a really solid, consistent uh, year by him. He's he's won at a mile and an eighth. He's won at a mile and a sixteenth. There's a race out in California today that has another Baffert uh, giant in there by the name of Maximum Security and and Improbables in that race too. I know you'll be watching that race with a with maybe a little bit of interest uh, headed toward the Breeders' Cup. Uh, is that is that you know maybe thoughts of not the first Saturday in October but the first Saturday in November at Keeneland? You know it, what what's What's your approach toward the Breeders' Cup? Well, Maximum Security has proved to be the superior three-year-old and, and come back and, and run really well this year. And he's a horse last year when I had Mr. Money on a pretty good roll. He was one of the only horses I really avoided all year. I tried to figure out where he was going, and I went a different spot. And it worked out very well for us. <laughs> um, so I think he's been at the at the top for quite some time. Uh, and... Uh, you know, I look for him to run lights out today and, and be sitting on tilt for the Breeders' Cup. So uh, the Breeders' Cup Classic is coming up to be a phenomenal race. I think sometimes by November, a lot of the horses have gotten a little tired. They've peaked and have kind of gone the opposite way a little bit. This year you have a – I think a lot of it has to do with the pandemic um, because they've canceled races and backed up races and changed the schedule a lot. It, you're sitting there with a lot of quality, quality older horses. So that division's loaded, and it ought to be one of the best classics in many years. A stat that I mentioned during your introduction to this segment, uh, you've been in the top 40, and really most of those numbers are in the top 25 in terms of wins and earnings all the way back in 2002. I mean, that is some, that is some uh, achievement and some consistency over the last 18 years. I mean, what do you say about that? I mean, that, that, that's pretty steady. Well, I'm 
pretty proud of uh, the accomplishments. Obviously, had a lot of help along the way. Some very good assistants and employees and some very good owners. Um, we've never been able to uh, acquire the top-end horses, uh, young talent. Uh, we've had some solid horses come our way. Um, but I'm pretty proud of what we've been able to accomplish with uh, you know, with less than what's perceived to be the top yearlings every year. Uh, so feel very fortunate to have, have gotten done what we've gotten done. Yeah, and that's, that's impressive and a little bit left to do. But, Brett, uh, we appreciate you coming on off to the races this morning. Uh, good luck with Mr. Big News and the Preakness next week. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you. Great. Brett Calhoun joining us on off to the races this morning. Uh, we're going to go to break here. When we come back, we'll have, boy, just it's just an incredible mystery and, and story surrounding the horseshoes of Man of War who uh, ran over 100 years ago and won 21 of 22 of his races, uh, basically did what Secretariat did in the Belmont Stakes uh, back then, What won the race by 20 lengths and took two seconds off of the uh, international record, the world record, and three seconds off the stakes record, uh, the American record here. Just an incredible horse, and we'll have that story along with Derby Bill's selections when we come back on Off to the Races. Ashland's Eagle Point Farm, located in Richmond's rich traditional thoroughbred country, an area that produced the immortal Secretariat. Eagle Point Farm graduates excel at racetracks throughout the Mid-Atlantic, but race at Colonial Downs with a home field advantage. Now managed by Karen Dennehy-Gotze, Eagle Point Farm is in its third generation of breeding, breaking, raising, and racing thoroughbreds. You can see why their 44-stall barn stays near capacity. Their developing horses train on a four-and-a-half furlong irrigated training track. Licensed trainers, experienced riders. In the return of racing at Colonial Downs in 2019, Eagle Point Farms captured the $100,000 Tyson Gilpin Stakes with What the Beep. It's What the Beep who comes up calling after the lead. English Heiress tries to battle on toward the inside, but What the Beep has all the momentum, and What the Beep wins the Tyson Gilpin. 200 acres of paddocks, round pens, gallops, and care. Ask about the Virginia Certified Residency Program and have your thoroughbreds take flight at Eagle Point Farm in Ashland and online at eaglepointfarm.com. Live racing has resumed at the Maryland Jockey Club. The Summer 2020 Meet is currently being conducted Fridays and Saturdays at Laurel Park under the industry's most stringent health and safety protocols. Although Laurel Park is closed to the general public, fans can watch and wager on the action at laurelpark.com and on the First Bet app, the official betting app of the Maryland Jockey Club. First race post is 12.40 p.m. For more information on the summer 2020 racing schedule, please visit laurelpark.com. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, light it up in prime time. It's Monday Night Football on 99.5 and 1027 ESPN. For the guys out there tired of dating online, Blue Matchmaking is here to help. Blue Matchmaking specializes in providing safe, long-term relationships in the RBA area, matching your preferences, compatibility, and personal experiences to a partner vetted and recommended by the Bloom Dating Team. To learn more, visit bloommatchmaking.com or give us a call today, 804-403-8091. Bloom Matchmaking, where love grows. It's your home speaking, and I need you to do me a couple of favors. First, could you get that blueberry that rolled under the fridge last week? It's throwing my feng shui off. 
Second thing, bundle your home and car insurance with GEICO. It's easy, and we could save money. Lastly, I know you were thinking of painting the nursery back to off-white, but I'm actually feeling this baby blue. Didn't think it was my color, but I am pulling it off. GEICO. For bundling made easy, go to GEICO.com today. The five-year no-interest finance offer is on at Diamonds Direct. With a special focus this weekend on Takori. We've flown in entire collections of all new Takori bridal and fashion jewelry. Direct from the Takori Design Studios in Los Angeles. And this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, you can choose your Takori handcrafted jewelry and get five years zero-interest financing. Rings, vans, earrings, and more from America's leading designer. Make your California Takori dream come true this Friday, Saturday, and, and Sunday. And spread your payments over five years with zero interest on approved credit. Only at Diamonds Direct. Diabetes, high blood pressure, anxiety meds, everyone's on them. If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe a bit beefy, or even with type 2 diabetes, a million dollars of term insurance may only cost you about 200 bucks a month. Affordable term life insurance is out there. Call term provider and speak with Big Lou at 800-481-1458. 800-481-1458 or visit BigLou.com. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He's on meds, too. Whether you're now at home or still in the car, it's your morning going with the sports huddle. Bob Black joins you 8 to 10 on 99.5 and 102.7 ESPN. And we're back on off to the races. A little overcast, at least here in Charlottesville, but the sun's trying to come out. It looks like it's going to be a great Saturday and great, great racing across the country. We, uh, racing at belmont there's a stakes race basically at every track delaware has a big day of racing uh and of course lots of stakes racing out at santa anita in california but want to set this up here a special interview at least for me i've been doing this show in one way or another for some 20 22 years uh it's starting to lose count here but i can tell you I've never done an interview like this, and I'm not sure I've even come close to doing a story like this. Um, Scott Mercer, those of you that know Waynesboro, Virginia, and maybe grew up there, went to school there, uh, spent some time there, can maybe appreciate uh, what this... might lead to uh scott mercer a friend of mine since i have known since grammar school uh, now joins us on off to the races i would encourage you to read the story on the racingbiz.com about a family heirloom that he has i've known scott like i said since kindergarten we swam together we uh, launched rockets together uh, even got electrocuted together. I've done a lot of things over the years, uh, but it's very, uh, it, it, this story is just off the charts. Back over the summer, and this is something that Scott has mentioned, he doesn't have a whole lot of background in horse racing, uh, but his family in the past certainly did. And he has in his possession something that uh, he had kind of mentioned through the years that he had had some horseshoes from none other than Man of War. And um, Man of War, as I mentioned before, won 21 of his 22 races, mostly stakes, mostly in impressive fashion, uh, did something even more so than Secretariat, who we all are familiar with his accomplishments. Um, he had horseshoes. But what I failed to realize uh, through the years until recently 
that these horseshoes were actually from the 1920 Belmont Stakes. A complete set of four and a bit that he wore in race. And on the case uh, is a label that presents them to Mercer's grandfather. And they basically have sat either on his grandfather's wall or his father's wall. And when his father passed away in 2005 or so, 2003, failed to remember exactly the year, um, he gave the case before that, the, you know, Mercer, Scott Mercer got got the case and he's kept it for the last half, you know, decade and a half or so. And, um, and, and brought them to a collector show and we've, we've tried to do some research to authenticate these things. And uh, we've run into some glitches and we've run into some conflicts, but we haven't been able to debunk it. And so it's really been quite a mystery. Uh, read the story on theracingbiz.com. But I want to bring in Scott now on Off to the Races. Good friend of mine through the years. Scott, good morning. Good morning, Nick. <laughs> let's, uh, let's just maybe take it right there from the picture that we've been able to date from at least 1957. Uh, you know, tell us a little bit, you know, maybe in your own words, tell us, uh, you know, just your knowledge and history of the case and, and, and you know, coming in possession and just learning about it uh, and learning maybe a little bit about horse racing along the way. Yeah, tell us, uh, tell us about the case. Well, it, it starts back when my grandfather lived in Margate, New Jersey. I never knew any place prior that he lived until I started researching it. And in Margate, he was an avid collector and had horse memorabilia all over his house. I remember his house looked like a museum. And I probably walked by the Man of War case hang on the wall hundreds of times. But I was less than 10 years old, didn't know what I was looking at, didn't care really. All I cared about was the waves down at the beach and my surfboard. And um, I think I told you at one time, Nick, uh, I remember my grandfather taking me to a few horse races. I was too young to remember where they were. I remember sitting on his lap and driving the car there with him. Um, and then my dad and mother moved down to Virginia, which is where I went to school, and DuPont brought us down there. And once when my grandfather died, that case went to my father. Again, it hung in his office, and I never asked any questions about it. I was never into horse racing. But my grandfather was, and he was an avid fox hunter. Uh, he introduced my father to that, and my father used to compete in horse shows around Media, Pennsylvania. And that's where the whole family, back to my great-grandfather, existed, right around Philadelphia area. And uh, the Man of War case probably was in a closet of mine for 10 years just gathering dust and it wasn't until i met you again and we started talking about this that it brought it to light today and my research continues to this day to try to figure out if the case is legit or not i was never into horse racing so never followed the story and that's uh pretty much the story in a nutshell right there yeah, I mean, it's it's just fascinating that something like this this could exist, and 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 just to kind of disclose uh, a couple you know things, there is a Man of War horseshoe up in the museum at Saratoga, 
that's from the race, and it actually has a little bit of a, of a turned up uh, hoof. You know, the, the, the tail end of the, the shoe is, is basically turned up, and that's something that is documented. Uh, it's been there for some time, so that, that's obviously a major conflict. And, and, and just kind of going through, through this, Scott, I mean, it, it, this is an incredible story by itself. What is really astonishing, and I still can't really get over this, is that it's you. <laughs> of, of all the people who would be in possession of, of a case like this, an artifact like this, something that has been valued, in a, you know, as, as we kind of go through this research process, this case might be worth $250,000. Uh, and, and maybe more, being a, if, should it ever be proven to be a, a complete set. Uh, you know, to, to be someone that I know, someone growing up in the city of Waynesboro, someone that I, you know, our families are, have, you know, known for a lot of shenanigans in that area. Um, you know, that, that it's you is, is just remarkable. And then just kind of the windshield wiper effect of finding something that leads to it. I, I remember talking to you about this case. And, I, you know, at first you were saying this was Pennsylvania. I was like, no, 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 Man of War was Maryland. It was Maryland. Well, Manowar's farm was in Maryland, but his owner lived in Pennsylvania. And actually, Manowar spent a considerable amount of time in Pennsylvania. Uh, you know, just maybe talk about the, what we've gone through here in the last three months in terms of thinking we were hot, cold, hot, cold, uh, and, and just the findings and the research that, that you've done through your family and I've done in the horse racing world. I mean, it, it has been just a... Uh, I mean, you talk about waves, riding waves. I mean, there there are a lot of waves in this story. Oh, there definitely are. I, one of the key pieces of information that we found was the photo that was taken. We placed it to at least 1957 or prior, because on the back of the photo, it was stamped with the Irwin Photo Service. And they closed, um, I think you found out that they closed in 1957, and in that picture, it looks like a, a gallery display of my grandfather's artwork. And in that picture, we saw the Man of War case. And so we placed it at least to 1957. And from there, uh, it was interesting to find out that my grandfather at one time lived just a mile away from the Rose Tree Hunt Club, which is where the owner of Man of War, Sam Riddle, uh, he belonged to that club. So the path then leads to trying to find out if my grandfather had a membership of the Rose Tree Hunt Club. He was a member of another club, the Whippets Club, that uh, raised dogs, from what I understand. I don't know if they were hunting dogs or, or what kind of dogs they were. And I wondered if perhaps my grandfather provided dogs to the Rose Tree Hunt Club or had some affiliation with them. And the whole investigation has really been an interesting trap. Boy, it, it really has. And unfortunately, like the story, I, it, it'd be, you know, like to end it here, and I'm going to have to end it here, but for at least this segment. But, um, you know, it, it only begins at the finish line of the Belmont Stakes because uh, there's a lot of searching and a lot of researching still ahead, and we'll discover some things along the way. Uh, so, Scott, I appreciate you spending some time with us this morning on Off to the Races, um, and, and I'll certainly be in, in touch as, as we try and figure out this real mystery about this case. I, I, I know this. Um, 
you believe this thing to be authentic. I was always kind of the guy that gave you the bad news is, well, there's one up at Saratoga or there's this turned up feature in the shoe that doesn't exist in this this case. So I hate to be the bearer of bad news when things come up, but you've been very professional in the approach to this. You just want to know the facts behind it. Is That's right, right? Yeah. No one wants to see uh, of something they have in their possession that's proven to be a fake, but I approach this from a very pragmatic position that I follow the evidence. You know, if it's real, I want to prove that it's real. And if it's fake, I'd like to know that too. So at least we know the truth about the case. It's the pursuit of the truth that has really been fun, and you've been a big help to me with that. And you can have me back anytime you like to talk about it. Well, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, boy, it, I, it's, it's, this story is just beginning, folks. Um, and, 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 you know, we hope to find out more. And maybe there's somebody out there in the greater Philadelphia area that, that knows more about this. So, uh, Scott, I appreciate it, and I appreciate you uh, not bringing up any of my dark past history. That's greatly appreciated. That's another show in itself. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, that's a, you know, but that's a telethon, I think. <laughs> but uh, Scott, thanks for spending some time with us on Off to the Races. Uh, Scott Mercer joining you us bet. from my hometown of Waynesboro, Virginia, and jeez, uh, what what a story! And, and like I said, for those of you who are familiar with, uh, you know, Waynesboro in the '80s, uh, you know, you, the, this story is, a, is is an incredible incredible story on its own. But the fact that it's uh, a guy I grew up with, a guy that, um, you know, like I said, got in trouble with, swam with, a lot of highs, a lot of lows, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's, it's just, it's mind-boggling. It's just absolutely, I, I can't find the words to really describe it. It's absolutely incredible. Want to bring on Derby Bill Watson here. Uh, we got some handicapping to do. Um, by the way, next week will be our last show, and we'll have plenty on the handicapping uh we're going to try and keep the guest list very short because we want to make sure we get derby bill uh, on for the preakness and get his thoughts about the uh, about the the race but there's there's a big race out in california today the awesome again and only a five horse field and baffert has two-fifths of that uh derby bill joins us now and off to the races good morning derby bill derby bill hello Oh, there he is. Yeah, Derby Bill. It's... I have a 52-year-old pair of shoes I wore to the Preakness in 1968, if you need to check into. Yeah, we could. Hey, while we're doing it, uh, you know, they're probably about the same size of Man of Wars, maybe a little bit bigger. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure they're bigger. Big shoes, big shoes to, full, to fill here. Um, hey, Preakness fever set in. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, it's... it's it's an, it's an exciting week. Uh, the race is going to be spectacular. It's going to be probably the most entertaining race of uh, of the Triple Crown when you get down to it in terms of the horses. Well, you got local interest with uh, Trevor McCarthy getting the mount yep. and Sheldon Russell getting the mount on long shots, but at least they're in the Preakness. So, and then you have the uh, Belmont Derby next week. So it's an even bigger week next week with uh, Farmington Road coming back. Uh, in the Belmont Derby, which is the Virginia Derby North, I call it now. So next weekend will be a special ending to the show. Thank you for uh, bringing up Trevor McCarthy. I did have that on my notes, but I didn't get to it. He'll be on Happy Saber, uh, who will uh, be in the Preakness. So I appreciate you you bringing, bringing that up. Um, what are the chances 
you know, the, the lock of, of your shoes still existing 52 years uh, after your first uh, purchase. Uh, what what is, is that's a pretty good lock. Uh, how how much of a lock is Baffert today in in the awesome again? That's uh, winning in for the Breeders' Cup. Uh, yes, improbable and maximum security. And you know, maximum security hadn't hadn't lost uh, <laughs> unless you call Stewart's uh, objections a, a loss uh, in quite a quite a while. So uh, you know, I think you'll. That exacta might be the uh, biggest exacta I play, uh, you know, today. Yeah. Okay. So in that five horse field, it's it's a little bit of a chalk lock, but uh, it'll cash for you. It looks like with improbable. Uh, wanted to maybe get your thoughts on the American Pharaoh as well. Uh, the two year old stake, the a Grade One. That'll be a mile and a what is this? A sixteenth? Yeah, mile and a sixteenth at Santa Anita. Uh, eight horse field there. Spielberg is three to one in the morning line uh, as the favorite. A couple of nice horses there with them with get her number and notable exception. What are your thoughts on the American Pharaoh today? It was a great race. They named after a great horse. Uh, uh, race of one by American Pharaoh and uh, Nyquist. Uh, American Pharaoh, uh, just a tremendous uh, contribution to the sport there. Nice two-year-old. That's the key there. And Spielberg, uh, you, you know, you got to root for Spielberg. Every movie I've seen with Spielberg in has been good. So hopefully his horse is just as good today at 3-1. to one. Yeah, uh, so, uh, yeah, that's a race that goes off at 7-12 Eastern time uh, here. So maybe while you're changing changing around, you know, catch, catch this race, keep an eye on the racing at Santa Anita. Derby Bill, it is Preakness week. Just wanted to get your thoughts on um, maybe the Preakness ahead. We'll have so much more next week, but uh, you know, what what are your thoughts on the Preakness? Yeah, it looks like a solid uh, and large field with uh, without Tis the Law coming, as uh, Frank Vesey said, it opened the door for uh, Canna Canva horses. Uh, Swiss Skydiver might get into Philly. That'll add some intrigue. You know. Uh, Obviously, the local trainers will get some intrigue from the Mid-Atlantic. Uh, um, the local jockeys with Accession, Happy Saver, Jesus team is in the field, and you know how I feel about